That is better. Hi. Yes, hello. <laughs> Hi, Leia. Hi. The cats are joining us early tonight. Yes, they are. Today. Today. Oh, it's the day. It oh, is the Lucan. day. There is it's sun not out. even night. <laughs> Welcome back. <laughs> we are here with another episode of the Dice Pixels podcast. And this is the first episode that we're not giving you an episode number. Because we don't know for sure whether this is going to be 4, 5, 6, 20, 40. Yep. 1 billion. Record. Hey, the kitty. Oh, I didn't put up the kitty cam. <gasps> oh. Fail. Well, we're, we're going to record more than one episode tonight, yeah. uh, today. So yeah. there's still time. Yeah. I can put yeah. it up right there. there. There's a little cat hammock now. Yeah. 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 And, and she used it for all of two seconds. So <laughs> seems very cat-like. Success. Yep. Beautiful. So a couple need- things have changed. Uh, I'm going to interrupt for one second. A couple oh. things have changed. Uh, we have mic arms now, and Yay. we are using uh, different microphones. We still have the overhead mics working today because we want a backup in case these go horribly wrong. There are several differences with these mics, uh, one of which we have to be kind of close to them. Yep. <clears throat> and uh, we want to make sure that we don't uh, screw it up. But everything in testing worked great. Mm-hmm. And actually, I was smart enough this time to do the shotgun mics are on the right channel, and these mics are on the left channel. So even if all we have is the master track, I still have both channels. <laughs> so, so but we should be good. So with that, um, and at least now with these nice new microphones, you'll be able to get all the ASMR needs from our sexy voices. Yeah, yeah. yeah. If we uh, if we are sucking on any lollipops, we'll make sure to do it right into the microphone. Yeah, exactly. Directly, into directly it. in your ears. Crunchy, crunchy, crunchy bars and uh, crispy crunch and yeah, yep. You know, yeah, pop rocks. Yes, pop yep. rocks oh. and cola. You know, pop oh. rocks is. Did you guys uh, very gaming related here? Um, I mean, yeah, it's candy. That's yeah, right. yeah sure. Uh, we'll go with that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, did you guys have the rumor? I'm sure you did, but did you guys have the rumor as kids that if you like drank pop and had pop rocks and like swallowed them, it would like explode your stomach? I think I think I might have heard something like that. It was either that or the Mintos ones, but I think I got that through like a I, movie or something. I feel like Mentos. Obviously, you would like belch before it became a problem, but yeah. I feel like Mentos actually has enough like forced to do it. Well, yeah, considering if you drop it into the bottle, the bottle's just like Bleh. Oh, it, it's crazy. Yeah, I mm-hmm. think the Mythbusters might have done It sounds like a thing they would the do. The Coke yeah. and Mentos exploding yeah. a stomach. They like clamped, they like got like a sheep's stomach or something and like clamped it closed and and saw and yeah. uh I think eventually they managed to do enough damage to it. <laughs> I know uh, I do anyways. Remember, I do remember uh there was a there was a rumor when I was younger with uh, Alka Seltzer tablets, and when you fed them to seagulls. Oh. Well, that's probably not like that's probably true. Yeah. No, it was because yeah. we, we seen it happen once, and it didn't. It wasn't really. Uh, it wasn't really as. Uh, well, graphic. It no, it, it wouldn't it be was more like It was more like flying and then just dropping. Oh. I was going to say, like, I'm sure it'll kill the bird. Oh, yeah, that sounds yeah. horrible. Yeah. yeah, like, they're Wasn't awful me. birds, Wasn't but, me. If, uh, <laughs> but I'm still sad for them. If anybody's listening, uh, don't feed birds no. Alka-Seltzer tablets yeah. or any other medication of any sort. Or rare or, or don't throw dry rice at weddings. Uh, yeah, yeah. What, what is it that so, eats that? Birds. It birds is birds? Is, yeah, and yeah. then, and then the, the rice gets expansive and big, and it's not very good for them. No, no, no. Well, it's not good for humans either. If no. you ever want to have a really bad day, eat a lot of raw eat rice. Eat a lot of raw rice, yeah. yeah, and then and then drink a lot of water. Actually, we had that <laughs> problem uh, way back in camp. This one time at band camp. Uh, no, it was it was just summer. <laughs> you camp. were there too. Yeah. Well, don't you remember? That's when that's when Jeffrey first sent the check. Ah, uh, yes, <laughs> I do remember. Um, we did uh, fire roasted oats which is not an uncommon thing for camping. You like throw some some berries and some oats and whatever in a frying pan and you fire roast them and they're quite tasty. Yeah. But because you don't like boil the oats or anything else, you don't steam them or anything, they don't actually expand. Mm-hmm. So when you eat a bunch of those and then drink a bunch of water later, Ugh. so they were, <laughs> the counselors were like, don't 
overeat these because like it, it will you will have a stomach ache. You will feel like crap later tonight. And uh, so a few people, of course, did. They, yeah. they ate until they were like full of oats and berries and then drank water throughout the day. And they couldn't figure out why they had a stomach ache. <laughs> so. And they made a game out of it. Yeah, who can vomit the most? <laughs> Diced it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so cool. So we're going to talk. I think the first thing we're going to talk about is the new D&D campaign. Yes, yes. From Wizards of the Coast. Yes, July 19th brought us Journeys Through the Radiant Citadel. Uh, this is the alternate cover. Uh, the art on here was done by Sia Hong. And this is the game store exclusive. Yes, yeah. Game store exclusive. Um, it looks very cool. Almost uh, like a stained glass uh, kind of look to it. Um, it depicts uh, a bunch of characters known as, and I did make a note of this, the Dawn Incarnates uh, manifesting around the Radiant Citadel and the Auroral, the Auroral Diamond that the island's wrapped around. Really cool. Very uh, cool. One thing yeah. that I didn't realize when you sent the picture of that is that it's actually a light foiling. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It's um which makes it even prettier. Yeah, mm -hmm. my my copy, I have the special edition cop like the the comic book store copy of um Witch Light. Witch Light, yeah, and it has light foiling on it too. And very, very pretty. The Strix. texture's nice. Yeah. yeah. The the Strix, only... I think a lot of their, uh, even Strixhaven, I think, has like a light uh, yeah. foiling as well. The only problem well, I'm, with... I, sorry, I, I'm, I'm used to them having some foiling. I didn't yeah. realize that, because normally it's like the text is foiled. Yeah. Mm -hmm. This one, the whole thing. The whole thing. Yeah. yeah. Cool. Sorry, the, 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 only, the only problem I find with that particular style of covering is, well, you have this issue too. We spoke about it before, having oily hands. Yes. You leave really bad marks on it. So like when I'm reading my witch light, like you look on the back of it and it just looks like a lot of it is kind of worn down a lot. So yeah. warning for people with oily hands. Yeah, well, Sarah and I have what they call the shitty Midas touch, yes. which is uh, <laughs> something about the sweat or oil that we produce uh, is more corrosive than, and it's fairly common. I think one in four sort of people, something like oh, that. Oh, wow. Mm -hmm. Maybe one in 10, one in four. It's it's not uncommon. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's always something that I'm subconscious about whenever I'm reading like a comic book. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, it's just leaving, because I've, I've gotten that where I've, I've had magazines that I've been reading and just from holding it and then you look at the cover and it's like you see your fingerprints and ah, oh, damn it. You That's yeah. why I always make sure to eat Cheeto dust and maple syrup yeah. before touching anything that's collectors. Perfect. Yeah. Uh, magic cards, yep. uh, comic books, uh, you know, action comics number one. Rookie baseball cards. Yeah. 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 My, my uh, Superman volume one. Detective mm -hmm. comics number 27. Yeah. 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 That's Batman's first appearance. Oh, okay. <laughs> you can tell I'm a comic fan. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, it's uh, it's really cool. Uh, the uh, I'm quoting well, some of the book here. Well, hang on. First, sure. let's talk about what it is. So it is it is a one to fourteen. Uh, yes, one to fourteen. Yeah. Uh, so so levels one to fourteen. It's yeah. it's fourteen adventures or is it 15? Uh, thirteen? Thirteen. There's thirteen adventures in in the book. Um, there's, I don't want to read too far into it. No. Um, only because there's a chance that we might end up playing it. And I don't know. We don't want to spoil it for our viewers slash listeners either. Yeah. Um, but, uh, so it's Candlekeep-esque. It very yeah. Candlekeep-esque, yeah. It, it, it was all... in, and Strixhaven was a little bit like that too, was it not? Yeah, Strixhaven was a school that yeah, had it, different it, planes as well. Yeah, it had different adventures but it was in the also, book. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 And, and it was an anthology of yeah. adventures. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So Radiant Citadel is also very similar to that. Um, quoting the book, uh, the Radiant Citadel is a miracle of architecture, a floating city carved out of a single massive fossil that snakes around a colossal gemstone uh, gemstone shard known as the Aurel Diamond or Aurel Diamond. I always have probably yes. trouble yeah. pronouncing that word. Um, uh, Aurora as in like... Aurel, sorry. Aurel? Aurel or Aurora. Doesn't matter. Look yeah. it up. <laughs> Um, I'll it's a word. See if I can just open up to. Uh, oh, that's a cute yeah. app. So that's. Oh, cool. I don't know how well this will. We'll we'll take a picture and. Uh, yeah, we'll the we'll picture will the be. Too. If I'm ambitious, it will be. Yeah. On the screen. Yeah. And if I'm not, it will be in Discord. Yeah, but that's 
the map of the Radiant Citadel. Oh, that's very cool. Right there. Um, really cool. They The brief little introduction uh, touches on a few key locations and uh, some people uh, that you'll end up interacting with. Um, the city itself resides within the ethereal plane. Oh, and well, well, now hang on, because that's actually interesting. Yeah. So I'm not aware of too many other D&D campaigns that have actually featured the ethereal the ethereal plane yeah yeah the um they in the book they consider the uh radiant citadel a beacon of hope to travelers seeking solace from the various dangers of the plane and this starts at level one yes i'm kind of curious to then what the difference between the radiant citadel would be then and then someplace like um um oh my goodness my brain just i had it and then i lost it um sigil or no sigil because Sigil is supposed to be a place that's like different peoples across different planes. I can I can answer this. Um, Radiant Citadel is new and you should buy it. That's the difference. <laughs> that I, makes sense. Yeah. I actually don't know either one, yeah. so I, I can't be. But yeah, it is similar. Yeah, it sounds like it. Like yeah. I, I only have a very surface level. Yeah. Too bad we don't know any lore nerds. Yeah, well, hmm. later tonight, our time. Uh, God knows what it will look like YouTube schedule-wise, but uh, <laughs> later tonight, our time, uh, we're going to be talking to Devin, our good friend. We're mostly going to be talking about the Unearthed Arcana, but we are going to pick his brain yeah. about this a little bit because it's a new it's D&D yeah. module. He will have read through it already. Mm -hmm. yeah. Just a yeah. little bit. Um, there's a bunch of... Uh, there's a bunch of... Um, what do they call them? Uh... uh founding civilizations that uh, founded the Radiant Citadel. Oh, so this is a, a conglomerate a, of a massive multicultural, yeah, massive multicultural uh, island. Mm -hmm. um, and each uh, there's there's these things called Concord jewels that uh, are linked to various like home planes of various civilizations that I assume is a way for others to get to the Radiant Citadel without having to traverse the ethereal plane. One would assume. Yeah, yeah, I think it's just a one-way... Like a planar travel yeah. type deal. Yeah, I haven't gotten far too far into it yet. Um, well, look, if if it's a level one adventure, they yeah. have to have some way of getting people there. Yeah. Because level ones don't spend a lot of time in the ethereal plane as a yeah. general rule. Unless they're born there. Uh, I don't think level ones are born in the ethereal plane. Are they automatically like level 10 or something? Yeah, oh, okay. I, I that, think they'd have to be. That makes sense. Yeah. I, I think they would just disintegrate if they were. <laughs> you're born and you're immediately like, poof, yeah, barbarian. Right. right like, <laughs> well, well, I mean, what's a, what's the CR on a baby Tarask, right? Like, I don't know. Probably not one. <laughs> True. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So it's, uh, it looks really cool. Again, like just my brief glimpse with it right now is giving me some really good like Candlekeep vibes because everything is like so like kind of contained in the Citadel and they have like they have outs so that you'll be able to go to other planes for side questing. Yeah. Yeah. So it sounds cool. There's a there's um these things called incarnates and the dawn incarnates, which grace the cover. Uh, they are, from what I've gathered, and I, if I'm wrong, then please correct me, but they are uh, an amalgamation of basically like a bunch of different uh, stories and uh, memories. Okay, in, so in it's, one. it's like um, memories and stories sort of taking a physical, a physical wrong form. word because it's ethereal, yeah. but it's like... Uh, and they're like form. gemstones. Like, so, I mean, right here, ah. they're showing like a... a um, a purple dragon that's the uh, dawn incarnate of the Yadino or Yanindo. Something. <laughs> Something. There's uh, the amber scorpion, which is the dawn incarnate say, of the Sensa Empire. That's a scorpion. I yeah. can see that from that, here. Yeah. That's very cool. Um, yeah. Very cool. So it's, it sounds really neat. Um, I, right. I don't want to, like I said, I don't want to spoil too much of it for myself. No, well, and also Devin will have read through the entire thing. Yeah, so, so he'll be able to spoil yeah. it for So <laughs> by the time this airs, you will know where to get the other video or yeah. it will be upcoming. One of the yeah. two will uh, we'll let you know in the description, whatever. Yeah. And uh, we'll have covered this in more detail. But first, I actually, I'm interested to talk about this at a sort of higher level. 
Okay. Uh, stepping back a bit because we've mentioned that it's similar to Candlekeep a handful of times. Mm-hmm. I think that if you are going to do modules of this sort of thing, like I hate modules that are all one story. I like modules that are anthologies of stories. Yeah. And I think that Wizards is starting to get wise to that because they seem to be doing a lot more of this than Strahd, Strahd. where it's yeah. like... Um, what would you consider uh, Descent then? Because it was kind of... Descent is definitely one long story. I yeah. mean, it's also a handful of years old at this point. Yeah, yeah, um, that was true. released pretty early on. I yeah, think. it's yeah. it's fairly old. Um, Strixhaven, um, Strixhaven was basically like uh, the student's adventure through. Yeah, yeah, it was sort of I think walking the line where yeah. it was vaguely a single story, but it also happens in a school, so you can pick it up and drop it anytime. Yeah. yeah. The only thing I didn't like about Strixhaven was every chapter seemed, was like modeled exactly the same where it was same this, structure. this, huh, this, this, huh, this, this, and then this, this, like if yeah, the, the well, progression I of mean, it was always the same. To some degree, if you're going to model something around a school, how how much yeah. Yeah. delineation can you really have? I mean, look at the Harry Potter series. It's all the exact same movie with slightly different child endangerment each each season so yeah and that obviously is what they were going for with Strixhaven anyway so and and that's not a bad thing either I mean uh if that's what you're looking for it's great to be able to predict what's coming to a degree Mm -hmm. yeah um I think so the reason that I like things like Radiant Citadel and Candlekeep more in part is because a lot of DMs have real trouble with pacing rewards. Yeah. And I think that these books go a long way to solving that, to, to giving them the right guidance in order to say like, hey, maybe give your layer, players a level. Because mm-hmm. for me, when I'm DMing, I have sort of a general template that's either at mid-levels, obviously at, at early levels and late levels, this changes, but yeah. sort of in the 6 to 12 area, it's one level every three sessions and one or two feats per player. Now, these aren't necessarily book feats. These are like things um, you spent the t- your entire day fighting vampires. Any knowledge checks you have in the future against vampires will get a plus two. Uh, simple things like yeah, that. Like yeah, like a boon, basically. Yeah, yeah it's, it's a feat, yeah. but it's not like you get, you know, an extra attack or some mm-hmm. shit. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, because you can give those out, you can give those out like fucking candy. Yeah. And it doesn't really screw with the balance of the game, no. which is why I really like them. And so that's something like, so these books do a good job of sort of giving guidelines around what your players should get rewarded. Yeah. Cause I think a lot of DMS under reward the players and that can work if the players have fun playing for the sake of playing. Mm-hmm. But if they're looking to progress, it can really cause problems. It can make it very boring for them. Mm-hmm. And I think these books solve that to some degree. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, because like, I know we had a home game going for a short bit um, where I was where I was doing my baby DM thing. And well, it was with, with Witchlight. And that one's supposed to be like one to eight or something like that. But the entire campaign can be run without any fighting whatsoever so like you right. it it it's impossible really to use um experience points that way and so then there's no clear path of like here here's a good suggested point to level up your your players or anything like that yeah and that's uh just real quick that's something that wizards does a terrible job with and actually most module creators do a terrible job with is um a, giving you a guideline for awarding experience based on avoiding the combat. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Because obviously you could just give them the exact same experience that they would have gotten in, in the combat. But depending on how they avoided it, that doesn't make sense. No, yeah. like if they just walked a completely different direction, like it, they didn't even know about it. It might be worth nothing. Yeah. It might be worth twice as much depending on what they did. Yeah. I mean, if, yeah. they, if they became founders of the town in order to get around something, that's definitely worth yeah. a little bit. Yeah, so. and like... I. 
like even ha having milestone markers within campaign books themselves that like for someone starting out and learning it that'd be so so helpful yes. like yeah like you buy this point you should be yeah. Yeah. yeah whereas something like with radiant citadel and candlekeeper or whatever like yeah you can run it as an overall campaign but then also you can just drop it into like your own story campaign like the various stories within so yeah 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 so obviously i mean we are it sounds to me that we all favor the milestone uh method of leveling up as opposed to xp um yes and no okay so if continue so something like this um where it's so you have 13 chapters and you know every chapter is a different adventure yeah right so at the end of each adventure you'd figure okay you're gonna gain a level at least at the end of a chapter given those numbers i would assume yeah, yeah. right so if it were though like say if it was a homebrew game and you've created this world and you you are telling a story that has like your beginning middle end would you tend to because of like there's more of a chance of kind of like pissing about and doing things off the beaten path would you rather have like an xp system in something like that well so so this is there's I have personally two schools of thought on this, and it depends on the players. It depends on the the, the crew that I'm playing, that I'm DMing for. But the two basic pre uh, ways that I deal with this is if I go for a milestone, then I do what I was describing earlier, which is sort of one level every three. The, the template yep. Yep. is one level every three sessions. A uh, session being a few hours of play. So... Mm -hmm. Call it one level every 10 hours of play. If uh, if they haven't done anything that would award them a level, then I will fall back on those feats that I was discussing, which is things like, well, you've been traversing the wilderness a lot. Like you've been, you've been fucking Pissing around. About, yeah. <laughs> but you've gone through forests, you've gone through countryside, you've gone through whatever. So a couple things, one, I'm going to increase your sort of hardiness a little bit. So everybody gets an extra HP for their constitution. Mm -hmm. So one extra HP for each point of constitution. Again, I didn't. <gasps> oh, I didn't oh, mute my phone. Ah, I was oh. the only one that was prepared. <laughs> I muted everything. <laughs> Wait, your oh, phone oh. sound is hey, on. Hey. <laughs> Uh, so that would be an example of where I would I would lean much heavier on the the feet. So it would be things like that, and then I would also say like, um, you all have a a slightly nerfed version of favored terrain. Ah, okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah. At least for the next little while. Like basically any any fight that you get into outdoors, I'll give you advantage on your first round of combat for the next you know six game months or something. Mm -hmm. Little things like that. Yeah. Because I can give those out like candy. Yeah. And they don't massively impact the balance of the game. Now, some of them can, but you obviously have to be a little gentle about how you're doing it. And uh, I'll give those out. So if they don't do anything that I would consider valid level material, I will just give out tons of feats. And I'll start making them more and more combat oriented so that they actually fucking do something. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and it's nice too with that too cuz as a player you'd be you're still being rewarded for doing things. You're still that's, getting something out of it. That's what I find is that um most players don't need a level to feel that they're achieving something. Mm -hmm. They just need recognition that they're doing something. Yeah. Yeah. So what's your uh okay, so, so this will be my next question for both of you. Um, what would you consider to be your preference when playing D&D? Do you prefer books, say, like Radiant Citadel or Candlekeep, which has, like, a general base location, but then has you doing, like, various things? Like, say, like, you have, like, one adventure might be escort so-and-so here, and then the next one is, like, there's a D something's happening between these two merchants, and they're having a, a fight, and blah, 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 and we need you to mediate a, an, a you know, a... Uh, sure mm -hmm. you know, something like that like various things or do you prefer like the long form storytelling where you're always you're you're kind of moving forward homebrewish kind of like a campaign a, like a, a long -term very term. long long-term campaign. campaign yeah do you have an opinion sir 
Yes, and I kind of like a mix of both because I like the idea of a long-term overall story. As as a player or a DM or both? And are they different answers? Um, and just... Actually, as both, now okay. that I think about it. Yeah, because like the overall story is nice. It's fun. It gives you... It feels like you're working towards something for sure. But... Um, having i think the ability to throw in like these stories into an overall campaign is like a small term goal that like if you're going to like i'll save the planet or something like that like that's such a huge undertaking that it's hard to see the end of that whereas yeah. if you give like oh you're spending a week and you're helping out these people doing something or whatever it's just a nice small term goal to cut things up so it doesn't feel as daunting doing an overall campaign where you may or may not feel like you're progressing so much. Yeah. But then overall, like even if you're using the smaller stories, you can build an overall campaign out of that. Kind of like what we were sort of doing with Candlekeep when we were in another life. And uh it just, it, I don't know, it, I think they both have their advantages. It just depends on how you feel like taking the story. Yeah, I, I think the trick with any sort of anthology style module, such as Radiant or Candlekeep, and I think from what I've heard about Radiant, I think it probably does a better job than previous ones. Mm -hmm. uh, the trick with them can be to tie them together into that story. Yeah. Obviously, the book does that. But conveying that to your players in a natural manner can be very difficult um, because they're inherently more interested in the action sequences, whether it's fight or not, whether it's, you know, uh, negotiation or combat or whatever. Mm -hmm. They're more interested in the active roles than the sort of passive backstory. Yeah. So I think it can be done, but it's harder with the anthologies, but it's also more snappy and, and easier rewards, uh, rewards. So that helps less, pace the game. A lot less prep too for, from a DM standpoint as well, if you have everything kind of... Yeah, for most To DMs. an extent, yeah. to an extent. For, for me, I, I have actually never run a module in my uh, life oh, okay. um, because I, when I start a new D&D &D campaign, I create a solar system and a planet and park the party somewhere on that planet. And then I'll populate a few cities nearby and then we'll just start and see what the players do. And I will ad lib everything as I go and make notes. And then mm -hmm. in between sessions, I will fill in more detail, uh, which most people are not comfortable with doing as mm -hmm. a DM because it is hard. You have to keep a lot of stuff in memory as you play the game and you also have to be willing to, A, admit when you're wrong. Mm -hmm. uh, there have been times where I say like, oh, yeah, you know, the, the dwarves in, in these mountains are, are setting up for a trade deal with the, the nearby lake town. Think Erebor and, and Dale. And one of the players will be like, wait a minute, didn't they like hate each other last time we were there? And it's like, <laughs> maybe. I forget. <laughs> Did I say that? I but, might have said that. But clearly you're taking notes. Well done. Uh, yeah. Hey, absolutely. And, and and I will say, oh, actually, you know what? You're absolutely right. Scratch what I said. Um, that's what they were going to do if you hadn't caused that problem. Here's what's actually happening. Um, but it requires a lot of ad living and it requires being correct most of the time. Mm -hmm. uh, you don't have to be correct every time, but you have to be willing to admit when you're wrong. Yeah. And you also have to be willing to completely drop entire arcs of your game. Mm -hmm. You might think between sessions that, oh, I'm going to have them go and, and fight a necromancer that's, you know, causing trouble for a nearby whatever human society. And then they just end up not going that way. And instead of trying to shoehorn them into it, if you're playing an open world game, which I prefer as a DM and as a player, mm -hmm. you have to be willing to just kind of like, Okay, that's fine. That necromancer will get more and more of a problem as time goes by. But if you want to ignore it, I'm fine with that. I'm not going to push you that direction. Yeah. It will get worse. And eventually you will probably want to solve it or join them. Who knows? <laughs> but let the players play. You have yeah. to be willing to just completely. It doesn't matter whether you spent three minutes thinking about it or three weeks. Yeah. If you're going to do an open world and a long story, you have to let the players guide the story. 
because if you set up a long story and this is why I think things like Strahd can be fun, but a lot of people are left with sort of a mediocre experience from it. Mm-hmm. If they're honest <clears throat> with themselves, they, they kind of like it. There are, there are high points, but the overall story is kind of hard to stay bought into because it's just go do this. Now go do this. Now go do this. But why? Cause I told you to. Yeah. See when we were playing, um, um, which, which light. Wow. I was trying to say Witch Haven in my head. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> ah, good old Witch Haven. Ah, Strix Light. <laughs> when we were playing uh, Witch Light, I, like, we didn't get very far in because second wave COVID happened sure. and people weren't comfortable. But um, like, it, I, that's like, just as a beginner DM, I was like, oh man, like how how do I make this move along if they're not interested in going this this certain way? Like I felt like I felt like I was railroading them because it was like, all right, well, this is how the story progresses in here. Yeah. But I think having like the only a vague idea, like you were saying of, and, and the willingness to kind of just float along with whatever the players want yeah. to do is, is a lot easier. And a lot of uh, DMs will, you sort of say like, well, you're gonna face this combat whether you like it or not. Mm-hmm. And I'll let you go left when you're supposed to go right. And you'll just end up in the same spot. And to yeah. some degree, that works great. Yeah. But there's other things where it's like, I've established that, I'll go back to the necromancer, I've established that they're in the Mirkwood forest causing problems. And you guys went to the Shire. I can't just transplant that combat from no. one place to the other. I have to be willing to let it go. Yeah. And exactly. come back to it later mm-hmm. or make it, Make it clear that, like, yeah, you guys are a week towards the Shire, and somebody, like, the, the I'm totally, I've been watching a lot of Lords of the Ring stuff on YouTube, by I the way. I kind of figured that. Uh, <laughs> the, one of the eagles comes by with Gandalf on him and, and tells you, like, no, you need to go and deal with this, or, like, the the world's ending. Yeah. Um, you can do that, but you don't want to do that very often, because you don't want to take that agency away from, away from the players. Mm-hmm. More often than not, you have to be willing to just drop it and maybe pick it up later. And a lot of the modules don't let you do that. Yeah. They, no, they don't make it easy. Yeah. I'd like, I like the sound of that um, only because it really puts the onus on the players. So like they've walked away from this forest where this necromancer was starting and they were like, no, you know what? We're, we'll go over here. We don't want to go over there. So now this necromancer has become way more powerful, has like a big time, probably an mm-hmm. army of undead. Yeah. And because the players didn't go go back and like try to do something about it when he was it was just starting out, now it's the big bad. It's the problem. And yeah. I like the fact because it it puts the players in a, in a situation where it's like shit. You know, this is all our fault. Like yeah. holy fuck! Now we have an obligation to do something about this because mm-hmm. we could have we could have. It's the whole it's the whole thing of like if you could go back in time and shoot Hitler. Right. You know what I mean? Like that kind of thing. Like it's yeah. it's one of those things where like, shit, like this is like we could have done something about this and we didn't mm-hmm. do anything about it. And yeah. now this is on us to fix. Yeah. yeah. And it, it, it almost makes the problem seem so much worse mm-hmm. because, you know, you could have fixed it. Obviously, going back and shooting Hitler is an extreme example. But it's, I, yeah, I know where you're first yeah. thing that popped in. No, no, I, I know where you're going with that. And uh, and yeah, it's one of those like, oh, we should have could have would have solved this. But we wanted to go and get some some troll loot instead because mm-hmm. the necromancer sounded hard. And it's like, well, yeah, yeah, it uh, was hard. Now it's nigh impossible. Hard. Yeah. <laughs> now um, that ZR rating has gone up from yeah. <laughs> like 12 yeah. to 18. By the way, if anyone's hearing my uh, my chair squeaking, uh, that I apologize. I am going to either oil or replace this chair between mm-hmm. now and the next time we film. Um. Another thought I had about Radiant Citadel too, and that specific type of like just mini, whoop, mini adventures is with groups that are only able to meet like every two months or something like that. That's fantastic because you yes. don't have to remember what's happening from one game to the next. Yep. Because if they have, excuse me, if they have like a full day to play, you could play through one of those. Yep. And then you get your D&D fix until you can see everyone and get everyone back together again. 100%. In like six months or whatever. However, if you, as a DM, 
are in that situation where you have players that can't regularly meet, don't play D&D, play Shadowrun. Yes. Because it's better yeah. for that. For that, Honestly, yeah. check it out. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, well, um, I am asking, I'm asking you two a lot of these I want to hear your thoughts. Well, yeah. see, this is my, this is my thing is because I am still I by no means do I consider myself anywhere near close to even uh, <laughs> a good D and D player because I am still cutting my teeth like very very hard. You're like, a newbie, yeah. I'm a major like big time newbie. Um, DMing something is way like if I ever decide to DM something, that's so far down the road that I can't even tell. You you know, <laughs> uh, you say that. Uh, but I DM'd before I played. Yeah, I think you'd be fine as a DM. It's, you're, it's, you're quick on your feet, so. Oh, well, I mean, unless I'm running on ice, then that's a different story. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> it's, it, that'll be a bridge. Like, I mean, who knows? Maybe I'll run Radiant Citadel. There you go. Like, you know, I don't know. It's something that I haven't really put a lot of thought into because I don't consider myself well. I don't consider myself like good, I guess, at D&D yet because I, there's things that I'm still learning, you know, as I mean, it's 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 happened where I've I've messed up on like uh, on uh, uh, like attack things or I've messed up uh, some. You know what I mean? Like yeah, I, no, I, I know these things and I keep track of them in my head. Um, even like lore, like I am by no I've read damn near everything like that. I, I like yeah. if it wasn't for the fact that I didn't want to spoil this. I would read it. <laughs> I would read the whole damn thing. But um I'm asking you two uh, because I know you both played way the hell, way the, like a lot more than I ever have. So um, me, yeah. like my my opinions are so like minimal. Like I'll go with this. I prefer Milestone because it it's, <sighs> I prefer Milestone because one, it gives you something, uh, it feels more of an achievement. So if you've, if you've prevented uh, a war in between two towns that were at each other's throats and you've brokered peace. Boom, you gain a level. That's good because that's something that's like a badge you can wear. Like, hey, I did that. Yeah. You know, I mm -hmm. helped bring peace to this, these two troubled towns and now they're united and working together as one. See, uh, I'm, <clears throat> I'm going to interrupt just for a second because that's actually an interesting um, way of, of framing it. I actually, when I'm doing uh long long form stories that's the sort of thing that i actually probably wouldn't give you a level for mm. i would give you feats for yeah because then forevermore it you mentioned like wearing that as a badge if i give you a level it's just a level yeah. but if i give you a feat that's like you know diplomacy or something yeah exactly yeah. something that's like you did something remarkable and here's your permanent increase as a result of that yeah and yes you probably get some experience and you might even level in addition mm -hmm. depending on timing and everything else yeah i will straight up give you a feat specifically because you just did something incredible yeah so yeah there's that um two math sucks Math does yeah, suck. Math sucks. <laughs> I hate. I would not want to be there, trying to like. Uh, you've you've killed like a random mook, and there's still a battle going on. But oh, hey, I just <laughs> I'm at level four. You know, Congratulations! Give me, give you me a few a seconds. Chicken. I need to like you know. I I don't like that. So the milestone things uh, makes a lot more sense to me. Um, so so yeah. So on the XP front, um, because I I mentioned I I said, sort of depends on things yeah I, I can go either way mm -hmm. um the reason xp is interesting and the only reason xp is interesting in my mind is because it lets you have wildly different levels in the party and if you're being a bit of a dick if you're like when we start our evil campaign eventually that we're still going to do yeah, yes. oh, yeah. <laughs> i am going to do it xp and i'm going to set xp for encounters one way or the other whether you combat whether you whatever and uh, and just FYI, the more evil, the more XP. <laughs> so, um, excellent. If you die, if your character dies, your level five character dies, you are gonna reroll a level one. That's fine. That, that, yes, yes, hello. <laughs> yes, gun. And you will have to gain XP by like mutilating bodies and shit. Okay. <laughs> so you you can make it fun, is what yeah. I'm getting at. Like generally speaking, I prefer milestone. Mm. But you can make, make XP it, fun. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It sounds almost <laughs> as if I found um, 
when we gave um the witcher a go yeah. that was like it was like an xp boon I can't remember exactly what the the leveling system was like. I think it was the, SP, wasn't it? Or yeah. IP? Yeah, the uh, the the game master basically. You you yeah. the players based on their performance. You got skill yeah. points. Yeah, in the yeah, episode, yeah, and how he interacted with well, like you two were able to get so much because you interacted with and 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 people liked your well, NPCs liked your characters, whereas the doctor was just creeping everyone out. So like. I barely yeah. would get anything unless it was like sometime. Well, I had to fix someone the odd time, and yeah. so <laughs> once. yeah. Well, once. Witcher, <laughs> Witcher has all kinds of things that suck about it. Yes, so but that. but yeah, that's just that shows like an imbalance with XP for for better or worse, just depending. I think absolutely. Uh, I think that's the the caveat with XP is that you have to as a DM, you need to be very careful that you don't create those traps. Yes. Mm -hmm. That you don't make the bard get all of the XP and the cleric get none yeah. or whatever. Yeah. 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 Because like with something like that, like I knew that my character was like my character was literally feared right from the beginning because of a facial mut mutilation. And yes. like, like any interactions that I would try to do with anyone, like I'm, I'm going to be rolling at a disadvantage. Also, my stats really sucked too. So, yeah. <laughs> so, so there's, a, so first of all, before I, I move on to this, uh, did you want to say anything? Yeah. More? Just let me, uh, yeah. so, uh, to the point when I asked about, um, campaign books and, uh, ongoing story, I'm kind of teetering on, on, you know what I mean? You, you wait until you play one of my open worlds, which yeah. will start very oh, yeah. soon. Uh, but you'll, not, yeah. you'll never want to play a module I'm, again. I'm teetering <laughs> on it. Be, uh, I, I I just enjoy playing. Yeah. Um, I think yeah. which, what my next question would have been, uh, uh, what do you prefer? Do you, when you play D&D, &D, what's, what's, um, what's the one thing that you enjoy doing the most? For me, it's like RPing and like mm -hmm. playing a character, you know, coming up with a voice um, even if it's a shitty voice, like the one, the one character I had always talked like this, you know, not very good creative yeah. voice. And it was no Josephine. No, it wasn't a <laughs> Josephine at all. But, uh, like coming up with this kind of voice and doing capo, you know, which was, which was really fun to do. And I'm going to bring that back. Don't, don't worry about yeah. that. You're actually, you're actually very good with coming up with voices on the spot. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, you're very good at it. I mean, I'm in, I'm, you know, when I'm playing as a blue sapphire gem dragonborn, I had to make it kind of sound like a dragonborn. You and uh, sometimes yeah. it's just really hard to articulate when you're <laughs> feels like you're choking on your own tonsils. <laughs> you and Sam both are very Sam's good at, at spontaneously yeah. coming up with new voices. Yep. As a player, I I enjoy doing the RP with the voice and everything else. Mm. Um, as a DM, I struggle a bit because I end up a lot of like. There's only so many voices that I can just pull out of my hat. I'm getting better as time goes by. Yeah. But unless the character is, in, unless the NPC is important in some way. Yeah. I'm very unlikely to actually give it a voice. Yeah. Uh, or if I feel that the the game is uh, sort of dragon, I'll, I'll introduce a fucking psychotic gnome that just, <laughs> you know... <laughs> I did, I, I did that with uh, with my party the one day um, they were they were getting off the rails a little bit, which is fine because they were still having fun. But I wanted them to get back on track because I really wanted to do this like airship dragon fight because not because I wanted to do it necessarily, but because I knew they would have a blast. Yeah. yeah. So I just had this this psychotic gnome who like basically had done nothing but cocaine in his life. Just like, <laughs> let's go, let's go. <laughs> um and uh and sure enough they they were like i like his energy let's do it <laughs> and, and then they uh they fought the dragon on the airship and uh it was great they loved it but nice. uh it took introducing like a psychotic drug addict no to, to get them to go right on um cool so what yeah. i what i was gonna ask if i do i remember what i was gonna ask I don't know, do you? Oh, yes. Uh, rolled stats versus point by versus standard array. Here's a controversial topic. By the way, uh, I want to see as many hateful comments in the in the video as possible over this. Yep. Standard array. And anyone who thinks anything else is wrong. I've never done it. <laughs> 
Yeah, I've only ever rolled for stats. So rolling, I've, for, yeah, I've always rolled for mine. Rolling for stats is cool um, because there's a lot of variance that mm-hmm. you can get, and mm-hmm. that's that can be fun. But it can also end up with somebody at the at the table being shit. Yeah, and that's if they're a good yeah. RPR. That's fine. fine. They can work with it. Exactly. But it still means that they have to take a back seat in the game. Mm-hmm. Point by is fine, except that everybody ends up with too high stuff. Excuse me. Everybody ends up with their stats being too high. Standard array. Every player hates standard array when they start out, which is why it's the best system. Because no one's happy. No one's happy. Everybody's like, no fuck this, I don't want to do standard array, it's too weak, whatever, whatever. Mm-hmm. They they want to be able to buy their strength up to 18 off the no. start. And it's like, no, no, you're you're level one, man. You're you're a you're a notch above a farmer. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you are not taking on trolls at level one. Um standard array all the way. So and then and then as a DM, it's up to you, up to me. Yeah. To recognize when somebody is not able to fill their role effectively and award them feats, customized feats, that allow them to step up. Your constitution isn't high enough? I can fix that. I can give you a temporary feat from wandering through the wilderness, whatever, from, you know, hitting the brink of death and having the cleric bring you back from, from... absolute certain death mm-hmm. uh you you gain for the next month you're extra hardy here's here's an extra as i said before one hp per constitution level i use that actually fairly commonly mm-hmm. as a temporary thing you don't want it to be permanent because then they start stacking and that's a problem but uh for me standard array creates the most creative environment for everybody involved so for all of the new uh D folk or people just starting out hi Standard array is basically everything is all the same. It's like uh, 15, yeah, four, we'll yeah it look it up. But it's, yeah. it's, you get a, you get numbers. Right. And you get to assign where those go. But uh, like, okay. you don't get to, I'm going to buy up my strength as high as it will go sort of thing. Okay. okay. You, it caps out at 15. Okay. Plus racial bonuses. So, yeah. Okay. So it, the, the standard array pool consists of 15, 14, 13, 12, 10, and eight. That's what uh, I thought. Okay. Yeah. So you have to have a bad stat. Yeah. You have to have just one fair. bad stat. It's you fair. don't get to have three bad stats and one great one. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's mean, actually not terrible. I've never actually like really, really paid attention to what the numbers are. I do like having one bad, at least one bad stat. Hey, Everyone my barbarian should. had a four index. I know. Well, and, <laughs> and so that that's sort of the, the benefit to roll is you get those crazy variances, which can be fun. But at the same time, that's kind of up to the player. Like, if I have an eight in wisdom, I can always play my character like they have a five. Yeah. You yeah. Know, like I oh, can. Oh yeah. Look at look at Foley back in the day. Uh, you know, I I played him like he was an absolute idiot, despite the fact that he actually had crazy wisdom because mm-hmm. yeah. his intelligence was low. <laughs> so I'm like, screw it. I'm gonna act like he's an utter reader. Yeah. Uh, you know, idiot. Yeah. 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 Like and, and Peanut too. Like Peanut had an intelligence of eleven, so she wasn't necessarily like she was slightly above average in in intelligence. But I still played them like they were like a lower yeah. intelligence because it was just felt more natural for the character. Right? Yeah. So, so yeah, I really like standard array. I think that everyone should play standard array, and it is up to the DM to augment the the players where needed. I also think that that's something that DMs need to be more willing to do. Mm -hmm. A lot of DMs are very hesitant to make their players more powerful because two reasons, I think, if I think one, they think it'll get out of control, which that's easy to fix. Just give them a time limit. And then if you say you've got for the next six game months, you've got extra health. If it's not game breaking at the end of six months, you can always just say, you know what? It's permanent. You're mm-hmm. fine. Keep yeah. it. But uh, in hindsight, uh, well, on the other hand, there's some players that don't want to they don't want to uh, be underpowered. Min maxers. Yeah. 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 Uh, it, here's we've here's, known a few of them. Yeah. <laughs> here's here's my tip as a DM. Uh, if you have a min maxer at your table, 
uh, kick them out and yep. never speak to them again. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah really. Uh, it's fine if everybody does it, but uh, you do get that one person who just wants to be a min-maxer. Yeah. And they ruin the game. Like, D&D they, they, is not about yeah. min-maxing. Yeah. yeah. Uh, there was one game that I played previously where we did have a min-maxer, too. And his character in himself was, like, both as a person and as his character, it was very, very abrasive. Yeah. And no one else in the party liked him. And uh, we were playing Mad Mage. Um, Dungeon of the Mad Mage at this time and we were in a room and he said something and annoyed um, Halister and so Halister um, ma magically made a pit appear underneath him yeah. and then buried him in it and then we were like okay that's fine and the DM was like oh not thinking like none of us were interested and yeah. in, in pulling this character out because we did not like him and and hey here's here's the other thing so i i am going to quickly qualify what i said a minute ago which is uh there is actually one other way to deal with min maxers which is if you want to play with min maxers get a group of them and play DD fourth edition because it is designed for min maxers oh. um so that's the other option okay but also never play deep fourth edition because it's yeah. it's <laughs> it appeals to someone who wants to play it like a min max game which there are and that's fine mm -hmm. if that's your jam and everybody's on board great there exist games for that it is not fifth edition if you are playing fifth edition do not min max it's not for that yeah um but uh that's something that as a player and as a dm everybody should get on board with the idea that the party doesn't always have to play together yeah you know, yeah. it's okay. And both as the player who potentially is the one getting killed and as the party doing it, it can be hard for some personality types to treat it as a game. Mm. But mm -hmm. if you're if if the party has a reason to dislike you or distrust you or just doesn't have a reason to go out of their way to help you, that's not necessarily a personal attack. Now, it can be a personal attack, yes. absolutely, but <laughs> yeah. it's not necessarily. When we leave someone's character buried in sand because we don't like the character or the person. I, I mean, there's, yeah. there's situations where it's very clear that yeah. you're, you don't like the person. But I've had, uh, I've had more than a few games where I've died, my character has died, because it didn't make sense for the party to help them. And I've said that at the table. I'm like, guys, you're talking about ways that you can save me. I want you to each think about like your character. Mm -hmm. Does yeah. your does your character have a reason to do this, or do you just want to keep me in the game? Because I can re-roll another character. Yeah, yeah. I can keep playing. Yeah. I don't need to play as my current character, and yeah. I'm okay with my characters dying. A lot of people have uh, like a complete mental block around a character dying. Yeah, and hey, if if that's you and you talk to the DM and everybody at the table is the same, cool. But D&D without death is just storytelling. Yep. And it can be fun and that's fine. But as soon as you enter in actual death to that system, it becomes more than storytelling. It becomes a game. Yeah. And with the whole it, death. It's just an enhanced storytelling yeah. too, yeah. because it gives higher stakes for the rest of the team, especially well, yeah. if they like someone that has died. Yeah. And that's the thing too, is like, I mean, death, it's... It adds to the stakes in it. So if we're if we're well, playing it like a long, them. yeah, and yeah. if we're if we're if we're playing like a long form game, and we've had a group of characters that have been around for so long, and then like oh Chad's character died, like dead, dead. Yeah. It's like yeah. oh shit. So now that character's dead, but then the next town, Chad's new character. You know what I mean? Like it's yeah. it doesn't necessarily mean the game stops. It's if you're if you're still going, like you can still play. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's just hey. Shit happens. Yeah. yeah. And, and you're allowed to be emotional over that too. Like, cause that yeah. is like you, if you're playing that character, that like a character, that character is part of you. That character has developed some sort of relationship to the other character that has died. Like yeah, mm -hmm. that, that just enhances storytelling so much more. I mean, more. you, you like, should totally have a funeral for them and, yeah. and like, have like, absolutely. Of yeah. course. Um, I mean, and, what that, tell me like that session. You know, you, you play one of your sessions is basically you're you're, you're having a funeral for your fallen comrade yeah. or a celebration of life for your fallen comrade. Yeah. Or maybe this dead character comes back as a ghost to just give a finer a final farewell. Or you're pissing on their grave. Or because you're pissing you on their grave yeah. because they're just a piece of shit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
yeah, absolutely. I, I think that death is something that a lot of players and a lot of DMs are very hesitant to use as a tool. But I mean, there's a reason that some of the most memorable uh, moments in TV ever and movies ever mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. books ever yeah. is characters dying. Yes. Characters yeah. that you cared about dying. Yeah. Yep. It is it is essential to storytelling. Mm -hmm. so. I think and I think but the difference is between other media versus um, playing D&D or any other TTRPG is you are observing the loss of something versus Absolutely. experiencing yourself. And in our society, we don't deal or speak about it in a really at all. Yeah. We're, we're better than we were once upon a time, but because we don't have that, we, I think as people don't know how to deal with it very well. So it just makes it so much more difficult in storytelling. No, man. 1986. When they killed Optimus Prime, and I'm still not oh. over that, dude. I'm still not over it. I was like, I was like, I was born in '86. Was that was that that <laughs> traumatic? That, that destroyed me. Destroyed me. Optimus Prime died. Died. But they brought him back. Yep. Yeah, that's right. They brought yeah. him back. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I was yeah, eight years old. Somebody casted uh, cast uh, True Resurrection there. Yeah. Yep. Um, yeah, so I, I think that, uh, and, and don't get me wrong, I'm not trying to trivialize the impact of, of a character dying because oh, no, no. Uh, it can be it can be a big deal for somebody big time. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But that still, it still makes, it can, it doesn't automatically, but it can still make the story better. Yeah. And yeah. at the end of the day, if you are playing D&D, everything should serve the story yes yep. and yeah. and i think you have to go into it with the mindset that death can happen and it does happen and it needs to have some consequence i mean who knows maybe maybe a year later somebody casts a resurrection spell on you and you know creates a new body for you and great you're back in the game as your original character mm -hmm. but it shouldn't be the next day Unless, yeah. unless the like, if your party can cast yeah. resurrection, go for it. But and I, I'm not like I've, and I've only listened to them in the last couple of years. But I know in Acquisitions Incorporated, they have the one character, um, Evelyn, yeah. and she's, what's what's um, like the robotic people. What are they? Construct. She's a construct, and oh. but she she used to have like a real physical like. Yes. A fleshy body at one yeah. point, but her character died and they yeah. put her in a construct. Like that's always an option too. It's very uh, yep. full metal al alchemist type. Yeah. Thing. And I, I think Jim Dark Magic died for a while. Uh, and then it's but was clone or something. Clone. Yeah. And, and I think was like reaching out to them from the yeah. ethereal plane or yeah. whatever the hell. There's, there's ways to play it if you don't want that character to die. Yeah. And they can be great. <laughs> yeah. But at the same time, some of the most, like I said, some of the most impactful storytelling devices ever mm -hmm. revolve around a character death. Yeah. And that's something as a player and as a DM yep. to seriously think about. Yeah. I'm not here to tell anyone how to play, even though I, I do that sometimes <laughs> to each their own. If you're if you're having fun, mm -hmm. you're doing it right. And at the, at the end of the day, playing D&D, &D, it's all about having fun. Uh, yes. Yeah. You want to have yeah. fun. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Have fun at the table, have fun with each other. If if know. everyone is having fun, you are definitively doing it right. Yep. Yeah. 100%. But also keep in mind that sometimes a little bit of pain can make it so much more entertaining yes. for everyone, yes. including yep. you. So, uh we're we're actually we're pushing the hour mark here, so I think oh, we'll wrap up right. uh this episode now. Yeah, absolutely. If you are with us, like, subscribe, uh, don't click the bell because no. don't do that. No, don't uh, do if that. you've clicked the bell, we actually we're judging you right yeah. now. Yep, we know it. Join our Discord. Join Discord, which is growing a little bit, and we've we've recently done some modifications to it to make it a little bit nicer. Uh, added some channels, uh, that sort of thing. You get levels. You yeah, do. You, you do. level up, and in theory, I can even give people rewards uh, as they level up. Uh, I haven't figured that part out yet, so bear with me. We also have a nice new palette of uh, wonderful emotes. Yes. Yes, I finally emojis. added emotes. 
So our Discord server is growing and yep. uh, getting better. So do join that if you're interested. Interested. We and also have a channel for asking us questions. So bring us questions. Yes. Yep. And we will talk about them. Might not so, answer yeah. them, but we'll talk about the questions. Yeah, no. <laughs> so I really like how this uh, question ends with a question mark. Uh, but yeah, as always, thank you all for joining us. We appreciate your support. And uh, we will see you next time on Dice to Pixels. <laughs>